Alright. Alright. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, early signing period time. Still trying to get used to saying that time. Things change time. Gotta roll with it time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Monday morning. Hope you're having a good Monday morning out there, unless it's not Monday morning when you're listening to this, in which case that's awkward. Hopefully you're having a good Monday afternoon or evening or Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever, whatever day it is. Likely not after Wednesday night, though, because after that, we're going to have other things to talk about. But... Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, we're glad you're spending part of the holidays with us. It's not just me on this podcast, boys and girls. We've got from across town at the uh, the Callahan Castle, Casa de Callahan, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I'm not sure what we've ended up deciding that we're going to call it there. But regardless, that's where Ryan Callahan is now. And uh, Ryan, what's up, man? Hey, Wes. How's it going, man? It's going all right. Actually, to, to tell you what's actually going on right now in this exact moment at this studio, Ryan... You know, like those, uh, like those packets that you put into, like, you know, like a bottle of water. You, you know, like your, like a, like a drink additive, like a, like a Pedialyte or Gatorade. You kind of put it in like a 16, 16.9 ounce bottle. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've got one of those, and I won't mention the name of it because they don't sponsor our podcast, uh, and and we're 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 hard and hard and fast in that in that way. But so I was trying to to open this packet, and it kind of burst all over like the table. And uh, it's lemon lime flavored, but it's a white powdery substance. And so it just kind of got all over the place. And I was trying to reorganize it to put it like in a line to then still try to get it into the bottle. And I started thinking, you know, if my wife walked into the studio right now, I would have some questions. Uh, She would have some questions I would have to answer because that would look awfully suspicious. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, maybe, to, maybe have, don't get into that situation, you know, I, I have to be like, smell it. It's lemon lime. Don't worry about it. It's all good. It's not what you think, but so that's what's it's going not. on. That's what's going on in my life right now. So hopefully wherever <laughs> you are and whatever you're doing, it's a little bit less complicated than that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but Ryan, this is, you know, for those of us who've been around football for a long time, around college sports for a long time, I say long time, we're in our thirties here, but you know, it just this early signing period is a different thing. And I know it's not brand new anymore, so it's just kind of the way it goes, but there's part of us, maybe there's part of you, maybe not. You're a recruiting writer, so so you would be a much better person to 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 ask about this. It, for me, it kind of takes away like the fun of like that big one huge signing day explosion that was in February every year. Because now that thing's kind of like an afterthought, and I, maybe I'm just old fashioned, but I kind of just I don't know. It just kind of seems different to me. I'm trying to get used to it. What, what what's this been like for you as a recruiting writer? Yeah, I, I think it, well, for one, I think it takes away the amount of time. Some fans, I think, were programmed to just follow football season uh, for what it is and then sort of shift into recruiting, knowing that you had sort of a two-month stretch run to really focus on it, get to, you know, if you didn't follow it year-round, get to know all the targets, know who Tennessee's trying to close with, all of that. That's the way people followed it for years because, you know, guys used to not decide, you know, really until January in a lot of cases or on signing day. Um, you used to see that with almost everybody, uh, you know, years ago. And then in the, the more modern recruiting trend has been for players to make earlier decisions and schools expect to have more than half of their class locked up. Most 
most years um, before the season starts. So that's kind of changed a little bit. But then also this early signing period is kind of taken away from, you know, even some of the remaining stretch run, you know, battles that you had. There's always go- going to be late drama and recruiting. There are always going to be changes and things like that. But it does take away from it because, yeah, it's less than three weeks uh, in Tennessee's case and most teams' cases uh, from the end of the regular season to this early signing day, which, like you said, has become the main one. So it, it just, I think it shortens the window where people focus exclusively on recruiting. And that probably has, A, made it a little more hectic, but also, yeah, taken away from a little bit of the fun for people. And I don't think it's necessarily divided as much as this one just replaced the February one as the big one. I mean, we we saw in year one somewhere around 75, 80% of guys nationally signed. Last year it was even more. I forget the exact number, but it was well over 80%, I believe. Um, So it's it's become the one where everyone expects the vast majority of their class to be locked up. Most guys across the country will be off the board uh, in less than a week. And, and that's just kind of what it's becoming. And we'll see what the number is ends up being this year. But it's it, it grew from year one to year two. And I wouldn't be surprised if the number grew even a little bit more uh, this year in, in year three. So I guess it stands to reason if, if this has sort of replaced the signing, the signing period as the, you know, it's kind of the new signing day. That would mean that over the weekend was a really, really important one for Tennessee because normally, you know, you used to think about who got that last visit that last weekend in January because it was such mm-hmm. a big deal because the first Wednesday in February, you know, was going to be signing day. And now it's it's kind of the, this last this last hoorah was last weekend now for a lot of these guys. And Tennessee was able to kind of finagle things where it got a, some, some big-time visitors on campus because you know everybody says you want to try to get that last visit and and ryan i know tennessee had a long list of official visitors this weekend and some of them were were kind of coos to get their last visit yeah uh the the big one obviously the five star and it's the one five star tennessee's really been in the mix for for several months uh and, and now all the way to the stretch run darnell washington the uh the tight end athlete from Las Vegas. He's only listed as an athlete really because he could play other positions if someone wanted to move him. He, he's he's big enough. He's listed as six seven and a half, two hundred sixty one pounds. And having seen him a couple times, I can assure you he is every bit of that. Just a big big man, and um, and, and could play offensive tackle, could play defensive line. He could do a lot of things with a, a guy that big and that athletic. But he's a tight end. That's what everybody's recruiting him to play. For I fully expect him to play in college. Uh, and Tennessee's been after him for a long time, and really he's the only tight end they've really been focused on at, at any point. Uh, you know, they, they they just might not sign a tight end in this class if they don't get him. And so they've they've been in this big battle for him, and they get the last visit before the early signing period. So he was obviously the headliner for Tennessee this weekend. It was at least his fifth. He says sixth. Um, we only have record of five times that he's been to Tennessee, but maybe there was a sixth that we're, we weren't aware of earlier in his recruitment at some point. But regardless, he's been to Tennessee at least five times. Uh, seen the Vols quite a bit on his own dime before making the official visit. So Tennessee's clearly heavily in this one and, and, and you know, ha- has made things interesting, at least uh, going down the stretch with Georgia still being the favorite on the 24-7 sports crystal ball. You, you, if you had to pick a favorite, you know, a lot of people still would point to Georgia. I think Tennessee at least has made that one interesting uh, as he gets ready to announce his decision uh, on January 2nd at the Under Armour All-America game. But the, you know, maybe the most interesting news that came out of his official visit on Sunday, after he, he wrapped up his, his trip to Knoxville, was that he admitted he's going to try to sign and keep it quiet. He's going to try to sign on Wednesday and, and keep it a secret, which we've seen a few times uh, the last couple of years with the early signing period. But it, it does make things tricky uh, for him. Word sometimes leaks out in those situations or, or starts to leak out. And we might have a good feel before January 2nd of exactly where he's going. But 
for now, it's still a mystery. I think Tennessee and Georgia both are very much in that one. Alabama, Miami, and Florida are the other main contenders. Uh, but a lot of just the, the most buzz we've heard so far has been sort of Tennessee and Georgia, and we'll, we'll see where that goes over the next couple of days. Uh, the other big official visitor was Tyler Barron, four-star defensive end from right in Tennessee's backyard at Knoxville Catholic. The greatest and, high school in all of America. You always uh, that's, make a point to say listen, that. Listen, listen, this that's not that's not sub- subjectivity. That is complete objectivity. That is that is that is a uh, that, that's a fact. Like that's like encyclopedic. Everyone knows that. But go on. Okay. But well, so so yeah, obviously a guy that's in Tennessee's backyard, been to Tennessee a number of times. We weren't even sure if he would feel the need to take an official visit. You know, he, he's told me before he didn't th- didn't think it was necessary or a requirement to do it. But um, Tennessee obviously taking advantage of the opportunity to get him on that official visit before he announces his decision on Wednesday, the first day of the early signing period. Um, and for those who don't know how the signing period works, it is three days, Wednesday through Friday. Um, so this does end, you know, very quickly. It's not just a an open-ended thing where guys can sign from any point from Wednesday forward. It's a three-day window, and then it will open up again on the traditional National Sign Day in February. Um, so he, he will announce his decision, like a lot of players who are undecided right now, on Wednesday, that first day of the signing period. And um, and, and Tennessee and Kentucky look like the main contenders there. And, and Tennessee, you know, I think has positioned itself pretty well in that one. So those were the two headliners. Had, had five Tennessee commitments back on campus, including Jimmy Callaway, the four-star athlete from Georgia, who is – had some competition uh, down the stretch to yeah, you know, teams trying it, to change yeah. his mind. Uh, Florida offered him less than, uh, well, I guess a week ago today uh, and, and has tried to convince him to wait and sign in February so he can take a visit there sometime in January. And then Kentucky also hosted him on official visit a little more than a week ago before Tennessee. So if, if he signs early, it's likely a, a Tennessee-Kentucky decision for his final choice. And then uh, if he doesn't sign early, that would give Florida maybe an opening to to get him on campus next month. So that's the one uh, among the Tennessee commitments who was, um, you know, sort of sort of waffling a little bit going into that trip. And Tennessee needed to sort of solidify things. And you know, I think they they did some good with him, but we'll we'll see if it's enough to convince him to sign on Wednesday. And then the the other guy that was a target before the weekend, but came out as a Tennessee commitment, was uh, Danico Slaughter, the three-star safety from Roswell, Georgia. Uh, former Arizona State commitment reopened his recruitment on Friday. And yeah, he's got, he's ways got, he's with got, got good film. I, I'm, I don't consider myself to be the greatest recruiting analyst in the world. We have much better people at our company who who do that. Uh, but I, I I think he looks pretty good. Yeah, he, he's a very, very active player. And, and Tennessee, even though he's listed as a safety uh, in 24-7 sports ratings, it, it does look like Tennessee sort of envisions him playing that star or nickel position. And that's essentially what he's done throughout high school. He rushes off the edge a lot on his film. You see uh, a lot of the big plays he makes. He's in the backfield batting passes into the air and things like that. So he's a very aggressive player by nature. And I think he does a lot of the things Tennessee is looking for in that star position. Uh, you know, Good at stopping the run. Pretty physical guy for, for only being close to 180 pounds. So I think that's a really nice pickup. And uh, a guy that you know it sounds like from, from some of Barton Simmons' comments on on Goval's 24-7's checkerboard over the weekend. Sounds like he's, he's a guy that has a chance to, to move up in the rankings closer to, to National Signing Day as we make our final updates in January. Uh, that won't happen right away, but it sounds like it could happen a little later. So at least could be a, a, a pretty high three-star maybe by the time uh, February rolls around. So I, I think it's a nice pickup for Tennessee. Um, so, yeah, th- those were kind of the headliners of the weekend. So mostly other guys coming through and, and sort of taking a victory lap official visit. But – as you said, an important visit weekend for Tennessee to sort of 
you know, not only lock things down with guys like Jimmy Callaway and, and make sure that you get those guys to the finish line, but also some of those, those big targets like Darnell Washington and, and Tyler Barron trying to, you know, make a move with those guys or in Barron's case, maybe, you know, finish the deal uh, to make sure you can land those guys on Wednesday. Yeah. And, and we got a, there's a bunch of names here and a bunch of things to discuss. And we, we honestly just will not have enough time to get to everything we want to get to as much as we want to get to it here. But I really want to circle back to this one thing, Ryan, because I'm going to ask you about Danico Slaughter and Mordecai McDaniel and all that stuff in just a second. But I want to say this about Darnell Washington. For people who say that that Tennessee is not as relevant as it used to be and, and Tennessee is still not the, the biggest, not, not the name it was, and there, there's a lot of people, including a good friend of mine, Matt Jones in Kentucky, who say that Tennessee will never – you know, ever be anything, you know, big again, because it just will never get to that level again. I look at guys like Darnell Washington and and to me, no matter how that ends, you know, no matter how that, that ends, maybe he ends up going to Georgia. uh, Maybe he ends up going to Alabama, but this is a kid who from Las Vegas, Nevada could go anywhere in the country. And he's been to Tennessee at least five, maybe six times. And is seriously considering the Vols right now. So for people at least to me, who say that Tennessee will kind of never have that ability to get back to, to where it is. I look at things like Washington and I say that's BS. I mean, why is this kid from across the country still even considering Tennessee if Tennessee doesn't doesn't still have some 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 sway over some of these kids? Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. I, I mean, first of all, I think it does show the power that an individual recruiter can have because I think you've got to give a lot of credit to Brian Niedermeyer, oh, the sure. Tennessee yeah. tight ends coach. Uh, who's who went to the West Coast last year and got Henry Toa Toa. You know, that was a sort of a tag team effort between he and and Kevin Simon, uh, the, the Vols staffer who uh, played at, at De La Salle High School out in California where Toa Toa played. But, uh, you know, for, for, for Niedermeyer to have done that last year, I think that's that's one reason people have looked at his at Darnell Washington's recruitment and said, well, you, you don't count out Tennessee just yet in that one. Uh, and, and then Washington's always been a guy who's been very interested in playing the, in the SEC. You know, he's a tight end. But he's a big physical tight end. He's 261 pounds, big framed that, that could add even more weight once he gets onto a college campus. I think he knows his game is is pretty well suited to play the more physical style in the SEC, but also in an offense where he can catch a lot of passes. And I think he sees more offenses that sort of fit that. You know, he's more of the classic inline tight end. Um, you know, probably not so much the guy that you want to line up in the slot quite a bit because he might be 275 pounds in a year. So. I, I think he's always seen himself as sort of an SEC tight end. So that's one of the reasons he's been drawn to Georgia and Tennessee and Alabama for so long. But yeah, did give Tennessee a lot of credit to, to have even gotten a foot in the door and gotten him on campus last year. And it does, it does, it shows the poll that, you know, there there's, they're not going to be in the mix for every five star. It's certainly not as, you know, no school is, but certainly not as long as they're, you know, winning, winning five games, seven games, you know, things like that. They've got to get back to competing for championships on a regular basis. But this shows that even at the level Tennessee's been over the past decade, they can still be in some of these battles and uh, impress kids with their facilities and everything else Tennessee has to offer and show a really good time on on a, on a visit the way Tennessee always has. You know, Ryan, you mentioned uh, Danico Slaughter just a second ago, and that <coughs> – excuse me – that – that was interesting because Tennessee, uh, of course, guys like me are like, well, if you're going to lose a kid named Mordecai McDaniel, you might as well get one named Danico Slaughter because there aren't <laughs> many names out there better than Mordecai McDaniel. But, you know, freaking A, uh, I'd say Danico Slaughter is one of them. That If you believe in predestination, that, that kid's born to play football uh, in, in, in the SEC. I mean, it just sounds to me like that's just what he should be doing. Uh, but kind of walk us through that because Tennessee ha- had McDaniel for a while and there's no bones about it. He's a prospect that I think a lot of us think very highly of. Uh, a kid who's got a ton of ability from up there in the the DMV area, the Beltway area up there in DC, 
and, and he's probably got a bright future play in this game. But 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 to be able to respond to that just 24 hours later, you know, because that's kind of a that's kind of a kick below the belt when you lose a guy like that after he'd been committed and he goes to one of your rivals at the last minute. But I think Tennessee found a pretty soft landing spot there with Slaughter. Yeah, and, and, and to be clear, I think Tennessee would have been happy to keep McDaniel and still add Slaughter. It wasn't just a situation where they were looking to replace McDaniel. You know, I think they wanted to keep keep him and add Slaughter ideally and, and give themselves three defensive backs at least in this class. But regardless, you know, to make up for that loss and, and, and seal the deal with Slaughter um, was, was a big deal. And, and yeah, Slaughter, you know, as you said, uh, has really good film. I think he's sort of flown under the radar a little bit, which sometimes can happen in the Atlanta area. Uh, and, and playing at a really talented program like Roswell, you know, he still had enough attention that he's, he's gotten on some other big programs, radars and was committed to Arizona state for a while. And uh, Miami just had him on an official visit a week earlier uh, before he made the trip to Tennessee this past weekend. So uh, he, he's gotten some attention still, but I think he's one of those guys you might look back on as, you know, potentially a steal for Tennessee in this class. I think he's a really good fit for what Tennessee wants at that star nickel position. And, you know, again, is, is really physical for a guy, his size and has, it's not, you know, not a burner speed wise, which is why he's a safety and not a corner or, or, or at least a nickel and not a, not a true outside corner, but, um, but still is just a, you know, a guy with good football speed on the field and, and finds a way to make a lot of plays. So I think that's a nice pickup for Tennessee and does make up for the loss of, of McDaniel, a guy they really wanted to keep, as you said, you know, McDaniel was a three-star back in, in August when he committed to Tennessee. And, and I think twice since then he's moved up in 24 seven sports rankings because of what we've seen from him this year. So, uh, and not just that he was listed as a safety when he first committed to Tennessee. Now he's rated as a cornerback because he, he had a nationally televised game earlier this year where he lined up against a pretty talented receiver at corner and, and defended him well enough that our guys are convinced he could even play corner in college. So that's a, another versatile guy, much like Keyshawn Lawrence, who's already committed to Tennessee and still in the Vols class, you know, a guy that could have played safety or corner, and a four-star and a, and a track guy in D.C. who was a D.C. area track champion in the 55 meters. So there was a lot to like about him. Uh, and Tennessee didn't want to lose him at all. And to lose him to Florida makes it, um, you know, adds adds insult to injury because it's an SEC East rival that you're going to have to see every year. You know, Mordecai and Daniel's going to be playing against them now. So it's certainly something you, you can't soften that blow. But Danico Slaughter's a, a really nice pickup. And I think, I think a guy that rounds out that, uh, defensive back class. If, if you hold on to McDaniel and even without McDaniel, uh, it gives you a couple guys to really build around in Lawrence and, and slaughter. And we'll see, you know, I think they're sort of taking a best player available approach with their remaining spots. So there's no guarantee they add another defensive back, but we'll, we'll see if they still try to address that position in some form or fashion down the stretch. And you know, Ryan quickly on that when, when you describe slaughter and then not, you watch his film, Reminds me of kind of another tweener DB prospect who was about, you know, maybe an inch or so taller, um, about the same weight, kind of looked like more physically like a corner, but played safety, was, could play in the star, was really versatile, hit really hard for a guy who was kind of thin a little bit. Uh, reminds me a lot of Rashawn Galden. I'm just going to throw that out there. Uh, it, it, and and Galden was another kid who kind of rocketed up boards later in the process. So I, I to me, I see a lot of that in him. I, I can see that. That's not a bad comparison. You know, I, I, it's hard to compare them a lot because Gordon played a lot of safety in high school and slaughter really has played, you know, even though he's rated as a safety, he's played a lot of nickel throughout high school. Uh, that's pretty much what he's focused on at Roswell where there's a, a lot of talent at that school, but yeah, I, I can definitely see that. And there's a lot of, a lot in his game that, it, you know, for some reason, nickel doesn't work out. He certainly can play safety. I think so there is a, there are a lot of similarities there and, you know, maybe the only difference here is that he's sort of has already found a home at nickel. Whereas Gordon, I think took a little while. People didn't know, is he a corner? 
is he a safety? It took him a while to sort of settle in at that nickel spot. Whereas I think Slaughter already knows that's a, that's a good fit for him. It's, it's sort of his home already. And, and Tennessee's going to try him there, I think from day one. Uh, so, so yeah, clearly some similarities in their game and that's, that's not a bad comparison at all. And I'm telling you at some point down the line too, uh, we're going to almost have to start rating some of these kids at the nickel spot because it's the 12th. I mean, it's, it's, it's a starter now it's the 12th position unless, you know, offenses start going back into a phone booth. I mean, this is kind of, you know, it, it, to me anyway, it, it would be tough to do, but that's another topic for another day. But I just think that's such an important position that if you can play that, I mean, you may, you see guys who, Maybe you're not the ideal corner or maybe not the ideal safety, but by God, they're an ideal star or or nickel or whatever you want to call it, and that's such an important position. It is, and you you see that sometimes, and other times you might see where, you know, even in Alabama might approach it like this, where your your nickel is just your third-best cornerback. So it it varies from each team, just depends on your personnel in a lot of cases, but it's definitely an important position, and Tennessee takes it very seriously and, and obviously is recruiting slaughter. You know, with that specific position in mind, so that's obviously a an important role that they they would like to to address with with the addition of Danico Slaughter, and they, they they certainly feel that's that's somebody that can can play that role well for them in the future. Really, I just want to say the name Danico Slaughter as many times as I can because that's, totally that's just going to be totally. It's just because I, I got bummed out. I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you, Ron. I got bummed out when I thought oh, I'm not going to be able to say the name Mordecai McDaniel as much anymore. Plus, you know, I got the soft spot for the DC kids, so it's like, you know. I don't know. I kind of got bummed out about that one a little bit to the extent that we care. I was like, I care a little bit about that. And, and then, but then to get Danico slaughtered the next day, boom, I'm right back on board, man. That just give me the best names. That's all. Just give me the best names. They're fun to type. Your, they're fun to say. That's, that's, I'm all about that. Your Christmas wish was granted early. You yes. Get yes. Name it was. To make up for it. Yes, it was. And we're overdue for a break here, but there's a couple more things we need to get to before we do that. Uh, Tennessee, I guess we could say that, that everyone knew that, you know, they parted ways with Art Green, the Juco corner from, from Kansas. And, you know, we talked about that in previous podcasts. We don't need to mention that much. But Tennessee has parted ways with another commitment. There's a couple more things to, to kind of break down here. One would be Tennessee, um, I guess, parting ways, if you want to call it that, with, with Jamari Butler, the kid down from, from the Mobile area. And then uh, Tennessee kind of getting the door slammed shut on Tate Ratledge, uh, who who was a longtime Georgia commitment. Tennessee thought maybe he could get in there. And turns out he's going to stick with Athens. So run us through those couple things. Yeah, Jamari Butler, that was one that I think surprised people a little bit because he'd only been committed to Tennessee for a little more than a month and then parted ways with Tennessee on Tuesday of last week. He had he had just taken an official visit to Nebraska, and, and certainly, you know, Tennessee was, I think, hoping he wouldn't look around uh, down down the stretch. But but also, you know, Tennessee is in on some other edge rushers uh, that you know I think Tennessee feels it's in good shape with down the stretch and has a chance to land those guys. So it's one of those things that you see happen every year, and you know, I guess you could describe it as sort of a mutual parting of ways. Butler wanted to continue exploring other options and. Tennessee did too, uh, for its part, uh, with, with some guys still on the board at that outside linebacker spot they like. So even though Butler's a, a you know a promising guy with with good length and good athleticism, I think they just felt uh, felt you know pr- good enough about what they had left on the board to to move on and 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 say that they're, they're going to to get some other guys at that position and, and and that allows Butler to continue exploring other options. And now it looks like he's going to end up at either TCU or or Nebraska. So uh, one that surprised some people a little bit maybe, but. Uh, we, we kind of thought there might be some attrition down the stretch, and that turned out to be one of them. Uh, and, and then, yeah, for, for the Tate Ratledge saga, that was a, a very short-lived but interesting drama for a few days last week as, as you know, Sam Pittman leaving for Arkansas to become the head coach there. 
uh, had the potential to really shake up some things for some guys, but maybe nobody more so than Tate Ratledge because he was one of the guys who really made it clear Sam Pittman played a huge role in his decision to pick Georgia over Tennessee initially back in May. And, and you know, the fact that Ratledge is from a family that's, you know, not maybe not all of all, but there are a lot of Tennessee fans in that family and a lot of reasons around him that, that he might take another look at Tennessee. Uh, it immediately made some people think, does Ratledge maybe take another look? Uh, and at first, he, I think, wrestled with whether to even let other schools in the door. But he was just really shaken uh, over this over the Sam Pittman departure and wasn't sure what to do with very little time before the early signing period. So Tennessee gets gets in there for a visit uh, last week on Thursday. Uh, Clemson also got in for a visit and, and made a late run at him. And, you know, depending on who you listen to, some people thought Clemson was actually more of a factor, uh, more, more of a threat to Georgia than Tennessee was. But whatever the case... Tennessee at least got a chance to go in there and meet with him again on Thursday, spent a lot of time with him and tried to make a late push to at least convince him to not sign during the early period, take another look at Tennessee next month. That didn't happen. And on Saturday, he goes to, to Georgia for an unofficial visit over the weekend and announces that he's shutting things down and signing with the Bulldogs on Wednesday. So t- tough end for Tennessee. You know, Ratledge obviously would have been an elite guy. He's a top 50 player nationally in the 24-7 sports composite. Uh, would have really addressed the need there at offensive tackle where they've had some departures from the current roster. Uh, but, you know, the, the door kind of, as you said, got slammed shut pretty quickly. And now Tennessee, if they want to add anybody else on the offensive line down the stretch, will have to, to look elsewhere. And, uh, and and Georgia gets to solidify a, a spot on the offensive line with a, with a pretty elite player in state they definitely wanted to hold on to. Well, you know, that's kind of a bummer for Tennessee, but you know what's what's not a bummer for for Tennessee fans is is some of the products and and services uh, and things that that pop up during our commercial breaks. Those things never let you down. Ever. Nope. Ever. Ever. So what we're going to do is right now we're going to step away, we're going to pay some bills, listen to some products and services and in-house ads and all those other fun things, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk a little bit more about Tennessee recruiting and, and sort of where this class is going into the early signing period and kind of what to expect over uh, what's surely going to be an interesting week full of uh, twists and turns. Hashtag uh... eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products and services and in-house ads you may or may not have heard just a second ago. As always, you are not uh, not not contractually, morally, ethically, spiritually obligated in any way, shape, or form to listen to those commercials. But but for those people who, who don't hit the fast-forward button, here's a toast to you. We, we appreciate you doing that because you know what? That's good for us at CBS Sports, good for us at 24-7 Sports, good for us at Go Vols 24-7, and it might even be good for you during the holidays. Because you, you may hear something that blows your mind and you go, man, 
that is the perfect gift for this person that I was that I was not anticipating. And uh, so you never know. You know, good things come your way when you're least expecting them. Remember that I told and, you that. And speaking of which, nothing is better as a Christmas gift, right, than a GoVols 24-7 subscription for I, that Tennessee football I can think or of basketball nothing, fan in your yeah, life? Yeah, I can, I can think of nothing better than – and I've said this before, and I was going to say it toward the end of the podcast. I'll say it now. With what we do with the CBS All Access Pass, here's what this does, guys. If you have someone in your family that you're not sure what you want to get them for Christmas, maybe you, you, you drew somebody in your family and you're like, ah, you, you know, kind of in the in the white elephant or, or, you know, if you just if you're in one of those families where you just draw somebody's name randomly and that's your person, whatever you do, you got someone that you're not really quite sure what to get them. But you know what would look really nice is a CBS All Access Pass. And it's a lifetime thing. So th- this person will think you're getting them, giving them a $100 gift every year. And what you're really doing is spending nothing on them because all you're doing is buying yourself a GoVols 24-7 subscription, which you really Ooh. want. You really want this for yourself. You really want it because you're like, man, I like this podcast a lot. Man, what if I could get it like in written form, like literally all the time? And, and even better information a lot of times than is on the podcast, like stuff kind of hidden behind that paywall. What are they hiding back there? You know what? Buy yourself a little something for the holidays and then use that CBS All Access Pass and just give that to Aunt Greta or, or whoever it is, you know? And, and, and they'll think, oh, man, I can watch like Survivor and Evil and FBI and all these things free of charge with no commercials all the time. And they can bunch also of movies and stuff on there. Yeah, too. a bunch of movies in there. They can go back and listen to, you know, they can, there's some podcast stuff they can get through there. There are there's some live uh, college football, live SEC football. There's the live SEC basketball. There's the NCAA tournament. There is, um, there's the UEFA Champions League coming here in about a year or so when, when that uh, deal runs out and it comes over to us because we're CBS and we can buy whatever we want, whatever we want. Uh, you've also got some World Series of Poker stuff on there. So all kinds of things. There's basically no reason to not do this. So buy yourself something and mask it as getting a gift to someone that you weren't sure what to get them. I just solved your holidays. That's what I, I did. I don't know, for the record, if CBS formally approves that option, but you, you've thrown it out there. So I, I guess we've got to roll with it at this point. I mean, why not? I'm basically, I mean, I'm, you're welcome, CBS. I'm, I'm, I'm helping you here. And yeah. I'm helping people out there. That's what I do. I help people. Uh, you know what Tennessee's trying to do, Ryan? It's trying to help its football program. And by doing that, uh, you know, the best way to do that probably, uh, other than getting good coaches, is to get good football players. In fact, that might even be more important than the coaches in some situations. The early signing period kicks in, uh, starts on Wednesday, runs through Friday. We've talked a lot about that in the first segment. So you, you probably have already heard that. I don't know why you would listen to the second segment before the first segment. Uh, it's just kind of weird. I don't know if you're one of those weird people, but here's the deal. Tennessee right now, at least as the time we're recording this, you know, Monday morning, Tennessee has uh, 18 commitments. Tennessee's class is ranked 19th nationally, but I think there are some prospects in this class who could jump up a little bit. There's also uh, some really big fish, including like a Darnell Washington type who are out there for Tennessee. So I think that here's what I've learned about Jeremy Pruitt and his staff. They've been here for all of uh, two years now, but I've learned that I like more of their evaluations than I don't. I think these guys, there's three former national recruiters of the year on this staff, including the reigning national recruiter of the year. Uh, in, in Niedermeyer. Uh, Pruitt himself, the head coach, is a former 
24-7 Sports National Recruiter of the Year. I think these guys know how to evaluate and develop football players. I think they're they're showing they're pretty good at that. I think they've got a pretty good curriculum vitae showing that. So where are things right now, Ryan, going into this week as compared to maybe expectations? And, and what kind of things are you expecting this week? Well, I, that, that's one of the things uh, that, I, that I would definitely point out first for anyone wondering how much Tennessee still can move up in the rankings. Uh, you look around Tennessee in the team rankings, you, you see ahead of them a lot of teams with 20-plus commitments already. Uh, and you see Tennessee, as you mentioned, with 18 commitments. Uh, so the Vols are going to have a chance to move up in the rankings just by adding to their class, whereas other teams might not. You know, Just a couple spots ahead of Tennessee in, in the rankings, you see North Carolina with 26 commitments. You know, Ahead of that, Oregon, 22 Washington 22, Penn State 27. So as other as some of these teams are are nearly tapped out in what they can sign in this class, Tennessee still is going to add it looks like you know seven or so more guys, uh, and that might not all happen this week. You know we'll see how many spots they end up actually filling, but they're in position to don't, certainly don't you, add. At don't, least. don't you go taking my future questions, Ryan? I got a list of questions to ask. Don't you go? Don't you go? <laughs> don't you go leaving the script too much here? I, I'm just scratching the surface here. I'll save the, the, the hard hitting stuff for you. But, you know, as we as we get to the end of this week, you know, they're, they're likely to add several guys uh, to this class. So it's still going to change quite a bit. Um, you know, as you said, I, I mean, I, I look at this class, I I, I don't see uh, a lot of reasons for for hand wringing about this class. I'm sure fans are always going to be interested in where it finishes on signing day. Uh, a lot of that just depends on what other teams do around them in the rankings. But I to be honest, I, depending on how this class finishes out, I, I think we might look at this class and see, a, a, in, a, in a way, maybe a more solid class top to bottom than what we saw a year ago for Tennessee when they had the 12th-ranked class in the country. That, that class was just sort of lifted up a little bit by guys like Henry Toto and Kovars Crouch uh, and, and obviously Darnell Wright and, and Wanye Morris on the offensive line. Those guys sort of lifted that class up because you had those elite guys at the top. This class is sort of could use a little more star power at the top, but I think top to bottom, this is a very good class, sort of ounce for ounce. You know, there, there's not, I don't see a lot of potential dead weight in this class. And that's, I mean, not if, always if, the if case. half, if half your class or more is a four star or five star type, you've got a chance to compete, I think. I'm not a believer yeah. like in hard and fast rules. Usually, uh, I think rules are meant to be fudged a little bit, and you can look at statistics however you want to. But in general, I think historically, if 50% or more of your class are four-star or five-star players, I think you've got a chance to be pretty competitive. Yeah, and 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 sure, you know Tennessee just lost a four-star and, and Mordecai McDaniel over the weekend, but they've still got several others in this class. You've got a star quarterback in Harrison Bailey, an elite defensive back in Keyshawn Lawrence. Uh, an elite defensive lineman or two, Omari Thomas and, and Dominic Bailey, both four stars, still a chance to add to that group. Uh, and then some, even some three-star guys I like quite a bit in this class I that I too. think are going to be too. good football players at the college level. So uh, I just I just see a, a, a lot of solid to very good prospects that, that I think are going to contribute for Tennessee and really improve the depth on, on both sides of the ball. And I, I know people, people might be skeptical hearing that. I, I'm not a... a West West will tell you I'm not the sunshine pumping type. I, I'm not necessarily known for the no, just having the you, most you, overly you, optimistic you, outlook. You are known for the wet. You are known for the wet blanket. You're known for the wet blanket. Let's just throw it out <laughs> there. And I know you think that's an unfair reputation, and that's fine. You have every right to defend your honor, sir. But you have that reputation, and it precedes you. And you, I, you might not like it, but I keep but it it's real. There. I keep it real. When 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 things are overly optimistic, I'm there to keep everybody grounded. 
when things are a little too down, I'm there. You know, that that's kind of what we do. That's called we're, a we're contrarian. Sort of, it's called a contrarian is what that is. Well, no, as as moderators, as writers on, on Go Vols 24-7, that's kind of what we do. I explain that's it to people fair. all the time. When when things are looking bad for Tennessee on the field, we're usually there to tell people it's not as bad as it looks. And when they're really high, they're, we're there to say, well, they might not be ready to win the SEC just yet. You know, there are things like that that you sort of have to do. Well, that's that's – how I sort of look at it a lot of times, but in recruiting, I, I think that this is true of Tennessee's class. I think it is a, regardless of where it winds up in the rankings, I think if they, if they finish out about the way I think they're going to finish out, this is going to be a good class that is going to take Tennessee another step closer to where they need to be roster wise. We've seen so much turnover over the past several years on that roster. They're just now going to get back to about 85 scholarship players. Once they finish out this class and, and get these guys on campus next year, I think this is a class that, regardless of where it ranks, is going to fill a lot of needs, really solidify their depth at a lot of positions. So, uh, but I, they, again, so much they've still got to do. They've got to add six or seven more guys at least um, before they're finished with it. And I don't think this class will be done on, on on Friday at the end of the early signing period. I think they'll add several guys this week, come maybe close to to finishing it out. But I think they'll they'll probably leave at least a spot or two open uh, this week. And one of the reasons for that is. A big target that's out there, committed to another school, but not done yet, maybe. Uh, and Jay Hardy, uh, I, I don't think Tennessee is ready to give up on that one just he, yet. He's a Chattanooga kid. I, I guarantee you they're not. And Tennessee was the leader for a long time. He's admitted that, that essentially a late official visit to Auburn you know, shifted the momentum and made, made Auburn the pick on, on November 6th. But, but Tennessee, I think, has always felt it could maybe turn that one back with time. I don't think it was quick enough. Uh, I don't think he had enough time to necessarily change his mind in five or six weeks before the early signing period, but they've just tried to convince him, don't sign early. Give us a little more time. He's even talked already about maybe coming back up to Tennessee for a basketball game, going back to Auburn for a basketball game or two. So he's already kind of had his mind on it a little bit. And, and I think Tennessee's confident that he's not going to sign early, but he's also given some indications to some Auburn people that he might go ahead and sign early. So it's at least something to, to really watch this week. But as long as there's a guy like that on the board, I don't think Tennessee wants to finish its class just yet. I think you want to give yourself at least a spot to work with. So they probably won't finish it off just yet, but they're going to add several guys this week, it looks like. And that's that's going to give Tennessee a chance to move up quite a bit and, and obviously address some needs that they still have out there. So should be a pretty busy week. And, and we've already talked about some of the big names they could add, but really a, a pretty long list of guys that you kind of got to, got to keep an eye on this week that, that might be potential additions for Tennessee uh, either leading up to or during this early signing period. Yeah, and here, here's where I am. Sorry, I was leaning away from the microphone there. Uh, I, I thought you were going to talk for another second here. But but this is – I'm glad you stopped there because I wanted to say this too. <laughs> I, I think there is a natural inclination or, or a natural and, – and I've been around enough coaches and enough sports at the college level for enough years to know this. Co- college coaches have this sort of need to fill holes as soon as they you know emerge. Basically, so so if they get, I don't care what sport it is, if it's if it's football and you get eighty five scholarships or whatever, twenty five per year, coaches are just adamant about getting to that number. In basketball, you know it's your your thirteen for for men and, and fifteen for women, and and you know they just they can't they they have like this compulsive need to fill that hole immediately, especially in this era because they're playing for their jobs and every little bit could could be you know, could be the difference in winning or losing a game, which could mean the difference in millions of dollars for your bank account and and all these other things and your reputation. So these coaches have this need to do that. But the coaches who I think understand the long game a little bit know 
that you leave yourself a little wiggle room with, especially with its early signing period, leave yourself a couple of spots because it could be a wild next month. Now, now maybe, you know, sometimes that will burn you because there's a kid that you were on the fence about some three star somewhere. And you're like, I don't really want him to go to Kentucky or or Vandy. I want to go ahead and get him now or South Carolina. And you want to go ahead and sign him. Uh, And I get that because one of those guys could end up being a star and that, that could burn you for a long time. But if you just wait a little bit, sometimes things are going to pop up. You know, in basketball, same thing in the offseason, like with everything going with it does with the transfer market in this day and age and the portal, leave yourself a couple of spots, man. Well, that's exactly where I was headed. I, beyond the signing class, you know, you have to leave yourself a spot for transfers because those guys have to sign or have to count toward a signing class, have to count toward the 25 limit that you get each year. So even if worst case scenario, you left yourself a spot, a couple spots to fill, and you somehow didn't have a great option to fill it in February, which pretty much never happens. There's always going to be somebody out there. If it's Even if only 10% of the players nationally are still out there, there would be somebody Tennessee yes, wants. Yes, yes, um, yes. So I don't think that would be an issue. But even in the worst-case scenario, you, you don't find anybody, and you just, just decide, you know what, let's just leave those spots open. What are the odds they wouldn't find a transfer during the offseason that they would be interested in? And the yep. thing about transfers is not everybody gives themselves wiggle room. So – Sometimes other teams are not a contender for transfers because they simply don't have a spot. Yes. So your your competition for transfers is sometimes very limited because not everybody is even an option for those players. So if they're you know a grad transfer at some position of need pops up, if a, if an interesting transfer who would have to sit out a year pops up, you've got that option. So yeah, I don't think there's any harm in coming up short. And sometimes you might even prefer that. And in Tennessee's case, you know again I think they'll come up at least one short as long as Jay Hardy doesn't sign. And that's probably going to be because, you know, simply because of him, you don't want to close the door on an elite guy in state that you've won for a long time, but also because, yeah, there are going to be several other players that they have been recruiting that they've kind of set themselves up to have a shot at leading up to that national sign day in February. So yeah, you, you still got several players you want to add this week, but you definitely don't expect Tennessee to be finished just yet on Friday. And, and I'm telling you, it, it, PSA here, uh, you know, I don't think that the kids should listen to my advice on most matters. I think I'm pretty clear about that. But, you know, sometimes if you just wait, if you're not sure, if you think you might get a better offer after early signing period or something pops up and somebody's going to need something, man, just wait a minute. I mean, you never know. I mean, you could have like, you know, for, for some kids, I mean, you know, even like a, you know, if you're like one of those guys who's like, man, I really wanted to go to like a, you know, Clemson or Georgia or Bama, just wait. They, they might have a spot come open. You never know. I mean, I just, well, to me, I think it takes some stones to do that because it's risky. But for some kids who do that, I think it, it could pay off for them. Well, and, and it does every year. There, there are some players that almost even end up at higher level schools than they probably should just because they stick around after the early signing period. Sometimes it can work against you. Sometimes you end up at a spot. Yeah, where it ha- happens with JUCO basketball players every year. JUCO yeah. basketball players every year, you know, and, and I can even, this goes back, Ryan, this goes back to, shoot, I could tell you about when I was a, a, a this mediocre at best, not very good baseball prospect. The best offers that I got came after the, you know, people like the, the MLB draft happened and some people, you know, lost people there or some guys, you know, after this after academic semester, maybe they failed out of school or transferred to a JUCO or something. The best interest that I got came after that, just, just because I was still around because I had already decided I was just going to go to college and wasn't going to play ball anymore. And some of the best opportunities came then because, yeah. you know, the opportunities were there. It definitely happens, and it's it's something – again, it almost can work against players sometimes, but, yeah, it opens a lot of doors um, for, for guys who are, you know, committed to non-Power 5 schools, sometimes even lower than that, to have a chance to play, you know, for major programs. And I think you'll even see it this week some. You'll see sometimes where schools can kind of see this happening, 
they can see that they might fall short or they're not going to get a target that they wanted at another position. So they'll say, you know what? Don't sign early or we'll give you an offer to sign right now in some cases. But sometimes it's just an offer to say, you know what? If we want to sign you in February. Hang on. You know, so you might see some late offers go out to some guys this week that causes them to reconsider. You know, Maybe it's a guy committed to another school and they say, we're going to offer you. We just want you to give us a visit next month. Give us a chance. And so you'll, you'll inevitably see some late offers like that with that in mind or some guys who are talked out of signing by schools that maybe haven't even offered them yet. So that's always one of the interesting things leading up to this early signing period is some of the sort of bargaining that you see with some of those players who might not be committed to, to major, major programs right now that you know guys who emerge as maybe having some better opportunities out there if they just wait around a little bit longer. Ryan, I know that, that we've already – sort of mentioned this a little bit that Tennessee's kind of looking at a best best player available kind of thing more than anything else um, but when you look at this right now you know there's 18 spots out there we know there's going to be more throughout this week what names do we need to to pay attention to and sort of what positions does Tennessee sort of in your mind ideally still need to address in this class well I, I think I think some of it's flexible because you know they, they've they've given themselves a lot of uh, a lot of guys to fill some of their needs so far. You know, they've got a lot of positions really where they still would love to add at least one more guy. And, and the reality is you're just not going to be able to fully address everything in a 25 man class. That's almost always the case, but especially when you're at this point in, in this, in a sort of rebuilding progress uh, program like Tennessee, you want to, you, you want to get everything you can and you just can't, you, you can't take all of it. So hey, you know, I, th- I think Tennessee is going to have to add at least one more guy on the defensive line. There's no question there. They've got two, in this class right now and Omari Thomas and Dominic Bailey. So you'll, you'll see them take at least one more on the defensive line. I feel pretty confident saying that. And then the other position they have no choice, but to address really, we talked about the Jamari Butler departure, but they don't have a projected edge rusher in this class right now. And that's a huge need for Tennessee. They really need at least a couple in this class. If not three, you could certainly make an argument that they could use three with their shortage of depth there. Uh, They've really not had a lot of options. Uh, We don't know, long-term what Quavaris Crouch's ideal position is going to be. You know, he's got some versatility. He could play inside linebacker, if not outside, you know, running back could even be an option if they, if they decide defense is not his best spot, but I think he stays on defense, but you know, that ideally would he fit better at inside linebacker? Well, to have that option, you probably need more depth at outside linebacker because they've been really short there. So I think you've got no choice, but to add a couple more, if not three uh, edge rushers, because you've got nobody at that spot right now. So those are the two main ones that I think they have to address uh, and then everything else beyond that can be somewhat flexible. You know, we mentioned the secondary. They've only got two defensive backs in this class, and, and they've they've done a, a good job of replenishing the depth, I think, at that position so they can get by with two in this class if they had to. But I'm sure if you ask Jeremy Pruitt and Derek Hansley, they're defensive back guys by trade. Uh, I'm certain they would love to have more than two defensive backs in this class. So you could certainly make an argument for that. It just might not happen if things fall the way they would like to like for them to fall in this class. They would. You know, potentially you could see multiple additions on the defensive line and a couple of edge rushers or three edge rushers. So I think those are the two positions where a lot of it, uh, a lot of the attention will be focused this week as, as we go down the stretch. And then, you know, you're still looking at guys like Darnell Washington at tight end. Um, that's, you know, potentially the only tight end target on the board. We really don't see Tennessee going after anybody else at tight end who could sign this week or, or, or announce a decision anytime soon. So I think it's probably Darnell Washington or bust at tight end, but uh, they still could add a tight end there. And uh, they have addressed running back a little bit with the the possibility of a guy like Jabari small, who's versatile, but you know, could kind of be the second running back in this class. That's a, that's another position they 
could address, but maybe more likely after the early signing period if they were to add anybody else there. But they, there is a guy out there they still could sign uh, in the early signing period, Laneith Whitehead, uh, who's a top 100 player nationally at linebacker, but has made it clear he wants to play running back. And that's the guy Tennessee has still been in the mix for and, and right there battling with UCLA for him down the stretch. And I think there's a real chance he still ends up in Tennessee's class. So maybe they end up adding another you know, another versatile guy like that who wants to start off at running back. But, uh, you know, if worse comes to worse and running back doesn't work out, he could always play linebacker. So there, there's a guy like that still on the board. They could address running back in that way. Uh, and then, you know, wide receiver. You can't rule out anything there. I, I don't know that they're guaranteed to add another receiver, but that's a big need we've talked about a lot. And uh, they've still got at least a couple guys on the board there that, that could address that need. So uh, the, the main, you know, sort of names to watch, you know, we touched on the outside linebacker need. Morvin Joseph, a former Florida State commitment from down in Florida, looks like a, a Tennessee-Florida battle primarily, but then he showed up at Florida State over the weekend uh, to take another look at the Seminoles after Mike Norvell's hiring there. So he, he looks like he's very much in play for Tennessee. He's announcing on Thursday, the second day of the signing period, and will be uh, signing that day. So that's one we'll have to wait until after the first day of the signing period to see what happens there. Uh, Kyrie Coleman, uh, a Kansas commitment from New Orleans, a three-star prospect that Tennessee hosted on an official visit a few weeks ago. He's announcing a final decision also on Wednesday, uh, the first day of the signing period. So that's one that uh, could be an edge rusher type for Tennessee. And they uh, have been pretty, pretty aggressively recruiting him. So those are two to definitely watch there. And then Tyler Barron, we mentioned him locally, the defensive end likely projects at least right now as an edge rusher, I think, because he's got that, he's got that build currently. He's just a big kid could turn into maybe more of a full-time defensive end in the future. But right now, I think he's probably that outside linebacker type. So he could address that need or potentially in the future, their defensive line. And again, on the defensive line, you've got guys like Octavius Oxendine, three-star defensive tackle from up in Kentucky. Another That's great name. Another great name. You know yep. how I feel about I, that. I knew you'd be happy with that one. Um, but he's a, a longtime Tennessee target. It's a Tennessee-Kentucky battle. Has been for a long time. Uh, it's been sort of a tug of war. You've seen you know, some shifts in momentum the last few weeks leading up to the, to the early sign period. He's announcing Wednesday. That's a, that's a big name that's still out there on the defensive line uh, that, that Tennessee's been after for a long time. Uh, Reginald Perry from down in, in Alabama, really long, um, pretty athletic defensive lineman around six, six, 301 pounds. Uh, a guy Tennessee's been in, involved with for a while and has, has pursued more aggressively the last few months. And, and now he's announcing on Wednesday as well. I think Tennessee's got a real shot at him. So you, you see multiple additions there being a possibility. Uh, and, and then obviously Jay Hardy, they'd like to keep the door open for that. I don't see a flip happening this week. Uh, it would be a major surprise to say the least if Tennessee could flip Jay Hardy on Wednesday and just go ahead and sign him. I, I still think the best case scenario is he waits until February and gives Tennessee another look uh, leading up to national signing day. But you know that that's certainly one to watch, at least on Wednesday, to see does he sign with Auburn. He says he'll be out of town for a basketball game. Uh, that's one thing maybe working in Tennessee's favor that he, he might not be, you know, he's not at his school that day to have any kind of signed day ceremony. So it's really easy for him to put that off, I think, because he's going to be out of town, but still something to keep an eye on on, on Wednesday and certainly something Tennessee be watching very closely on offense. Darnell Washington's obviously the main target there to watch at tight end, uh, but still some other guys worth watching. I think one to really keep an eye on, we mentioned Lenith Whitehead at running back. He's probably the main name there to watch for a potential early signee. Uh, but, it, you know, a quarterback slash wide receiver, Jimmy Holiday, an athlete from Mississippi, really electric guy. Tennessee's talked to him about maybe playing some wildcat quarterback. He wants his first look at quarterback, period. Kind of reminds you 
of Jawan Jennings because he's a guy who wants to play quarterback. Randall Cobb, too. A lot of people too. maybe see him playing other positions. So Randall Cobb, um, too, yeah. Yeah, great athlete, ran a 4.3840 at an opening regional earlier this year. So Which electronically really, is fast. Yeah, so electric guy that Tennessee's been involved with for a while. He's committed to TCU uh, right now, but announcing a final decision on Wednesday, and it looks like Tennessee has given itself a realistic shot at flipping him down the stretch. So uh, those are kind of the main names to watch offensively. So as you can see, most of the big names out there for Tennessee are on defense, uh, but still some important ones. Uh, obviously led by Darnell Washington to watch on offense. And then, you know, potentially depending on what happens down the stretch here leading up to Friday, um, you know, maybe some additional names out there on offense to watch like D Beckwith, a longtime receiver tight end kind of target from Alabama uh, that could be options for Tennessee in February, just depending on whether they have spots uh, available for those guys. And I guess Ryan, before we get out of here, very last thing, I, I know that, that you've already mentioned this a little bit, but what, what do you think kind of overall about this class? Because I, I think this is a class that, again, I'm, I'm, I'm really – you've already established that you're not, you're not a sunshine pumper. I think the world at large knows that I'm not much of a sunshine pumper myself either. I tend to just tell you what I think, whether, whether, it, whether you like it or not. Um, but I, 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 don't, I don't dislike this class at all. And, and I think when you look at it overall, the balance in it, like you said, I think that's a word that comes up in my mind a lot is balance. Like there, there's some balance. Actually, there's two words. The first one is balance, and the second one is size. I like both of those things that are in this class. Yeah, and they've that's obviously been something we've seen a lot under under Jeremy Pruitt wanting to upgrade the overall size of this roster. I think they're going to accomplish that with this class. Um, the the thing to me is uh, strength on the offensive line. We've not seen you know a lot of people have been sort of you know wringing their hands a little bit over the fact that Tennessee doesn't have a pure offensive tackle among its offensive line commitments, but what they do have are four potential road graders on the interior line, and that's something they. I don't think have seen as much of on the current roster. They don't have those guys who are just maulers. And so I think, I, yeah, I, th- I, think I think Calbert can be one. Um, and Trey yeah. Smith kind of can't, you know, is, sure, is Trey Smith. Smith, but, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, but, but, but I, I think Calbert has the ability to, to be that guy, but you're right. I mean, they, they don't have a ton of those nat- guys just who are naturally like that. Yeah. So they, they don't have a wealth of those guys and, and they're not necessarily day one contributors on the offensive line. You don't necessarily want that because it's such a developmental position, but they're guys who are close strength wise to maybe giving you that you got like Javante Spragans from East St. Louis, uh, another great name, another sure great name, um, a, a, just a, a mauler in the run game. And, and again, that's against high school kids who are smaller than him. So he'll face tougher competition in the SEC I mean, and he, we'll face he, an adjustment. He, he could go to like a sumo wrestling competition and he might be larger than some of the humans there. He's just a large mammal. Yeah. He, he's, he's six foot three, 338 pounds uh, and, and not really a, a sloppy 338, just a big kid naturally who I don't think will have to reshape his body very much and very athletic for 338 pounds. So that, that kind of guy comes in and just improves the strength of your offensive line. Then you've got Kyrie Miller, who's maybe a little more of a project, needs to continue to reshape his body, improve his athleticism, but his senior film's a lot better. He's dropped a lot of weight, listed around 370 right now. He might be even a little slimmer than that, but this is the guy, if he can get down to 330, 340, might be a pretty athletic, even a potential tackle maybe at that size, if he can really continue to improve his athleticism. But someone that I think Tennessee sees a lot of upside in. you got James Robinson, a versatile guy who can play guard but also maybe athletic enough to play tackle. So you've got some, some really interesting guys. And then Cooper Mays, who, who's not the biggest of the bunch, but just a good football player that Jeremy Pruitt just sort of fell in love with early on locally 
and just said, I want this guy in my class. I don't care that he's not as highly touted as his brother Cade was, who now plays at Georgia. I want this guy. And Tennessee made him a big priority and got him. So you've improved the interior line. From the Grace High School. From the Grace High School. Come on, Ryan. You got it. Uh, sorry, I forgot the additional qualifier. Yes. Uh, then on the defensive line, you know, again, Amari Thomas, Dominic Bailey, a couple more defensive end type guys. You know, Amari Thomas maybe can be that can grow into that sort of more traditional nose tackle, but he'll play a lot of four three defensive tackle. But Bailey maybe more of a three four end that plays some defensive tackles. You've got a couple more big bodies there to add to what turned out to be a solid defensive line this year, but in a year or two is going to have a lot of guys to replace. You need to solidify that depth there in the future. And they've done that. And Omari Thomas gives you potentially a, an early impact guy there. And, and maybe even Bailey too. So yeah, just some big bodied guys. And then linebacker. I mean, how, how big of a need was that for Tennessee at times this year? Big they're linebackers gonna solidify, too. Big linebackers. Yes. And they're going to solidify that quite a bit with guys like you know, three from the same school, Bryson Eason, Martavius French, and Tamari McDonald from Whitehaven High School in Memphis. And, and, um, and, and, and I, just to quickly interject, I think my thoughts on Bryson Eason are well known. This is one of my favorite recruits of the past couple of years. I just, this kid's film, just screams to me, SEC player. I, I I think Tennessee and Jeremy Pruitt see him as one of the very best players in the state uh, in, in this class. And um, you know we, we've we've recently made him a four star prospect on twenty four seven Sports too, based on his senior film. He's, I mean, at, at two hundred fifty five pounds, just a really athletic linebacker for a guy that size. So I, I think he's just a a really nice player and someone Tennessee intends. To, to have as a big part of their future at inside linebacker. And then French and, and McDonald give you some versatility, but still that solidifies things at linebacker. We'll see who else they add. They need edge rushers. Obviously, it's a big part of what they need to finish. But you, you see that front seven on defense and then the, the line of scrimmage on offense. They've really continued to improve that. And then I think some nice playmakers on offense do along with it. And, and a couple really talented defensive backs, too, and Keyshawn Lawrence and, uh, and, and, and Danico Slaughter. And, oh, by the way, a star quarterback. The thing that fans yes, always are yes, looking for yes, yes. got to get one every year got to get one every year and you struggled you've seen tennessee struggle to get that one a little bit in recent years the highly ranked guy that everybody covets this year they have a guy who's much more like that in harrison bailey a, a top 150 or 175 type player in the country we'll see where he ends up in the final rankings he's gonna have a chance to prove himself at the all-american bowl down in, down in san antonio but state championship he's one winner too by the way congratulations to the kid yeah uh, what helped his Marietta high school team win the state title Saturday night down in Atlanta and uh, put, put some big numbers. I put up some big numbers this season for his team, uh, 44 touchdowns, I think nine interceptions finished the finished as the number four passer in terms of yards from the state of Georgia in the history of that state behind three guys who were pretty good. Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson and Jake Fromm. That's, yeah. that's some nice company to be yeah. among. So uh, definitely a, a, a nice linchpin of this class and someone Tennessee's excited about his future at quarterback and he'll be on campus in January as an early enrollee. So a uh, lot to be excited about in this class. And I think regardless of how Tennessee finishes, it's going to be a class that helps them. But now it's a matter of closing. They're in position to close with some guys. They need to land five, six, maybe seven really good players this week to sort of finish it off. If it's going to be the kind of class they need it to be. So I think some important pieces to be added, but I do think they have positioned themselves well to, to land some of these guys like a Tyler Barron, who's kind of a must, a must get in some ways because of their needs locally. Got to get some guys like that to finish it off, but they have positioned themselves well to have a good class if they can get some of those guys down the stretch. You know, Ryan, I just want to say this before we get out of here. Man, you do you do a good job covering this stuff. I, I'm probably I, I probably give you more you know what than anyone on the planet sans my own brother. 
and uh and, and i just sometimes it's just sport it's just like fishing a barrel man i i just i just do it i don't know why i guess when you work with someone for a decade that's just what you do but uh i hope you get some sleep this weekend man i know there's a there's been a been a long recruiting never stops recruiting coverage never stops as a result of that i hope you get some sleep next weekend at least take a nap well, yeah, we'll we'll do that probably next week and then right back to it because the class won't be finished at that point. So yeah, you're right. It's a chance to catch a little nap, more like uh, more like catch up on sleep. But we'll we'll, we'll do that. And uh, in the meantime, we'll we'll uh, we'll we'll bust it this week to to cover everything that's going to happen because it'll be a lot. I think that's a good place to end it, man. Ron, I'm going to get on out of here and uh, uh, get this thing wrapped up and uh, send you on your merry way. Well, thanks a lot, Wes. I appreciate it guys thanks for tuning in as always you can find all of us on social media find all of us on twitter i'm west rucker 24 7 on twitter ryan callahan is ryan callahan 24 7 on twitter grant ramey is just grant ramey on twitter and it's not quote just grant ramey end quote it's quote grant ramey end quote at twitter.com because as we all know he's not a team player patrick brown is p brown 24 7 on twitter you can also find all of us on social media with just the tennessee stuff and nothing else if you're into just the facts ma'am just the facts sir you can get that at twitter.com slash go 24 7 or facebook.com slash go 24 7 where ramey does a great job spearheading our our, our work there uh, or if you want to go get that delicious East Tennessee Mountain spring water just directly from the source, you want to drink right from the hose, go to GoVols247.com. Right now, I'm telling you, get yourself a holiday gift. You know, get, get, get one, you know, you talk about getting stuff for, like, family members and stuff like that and all that. That's good. But reward yourself. You've had a good year. You've been on Santa's good list. Get yourself a subscription to GoVols247.com. And as a result of that, Get CBS All Access stuff for free. That's a $100 annual value for free, for nothing. $100 in your pocket that we're giving you. So don't be a fool. Go do that. I mean, why would you even think about it? In fact, why are you listening to this outro of this podcast right now when you could be just signing up for GoVols 24-7 and getting CBS All Access? What? Just, I'm telling you, right now, stop whatever you're doing unless it's driving a car. You know what? If you're driving a car pull off to the side of the road, put it in park, and and use your phone. Sign up for it. Do it. If nothing else, guys. We'll see y'all, I suppose, on Thursday morning. See ya.